The force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. My powers have doubled since the last time we met Count. Hey! Suffering. Death, I fear. Something terrible has happened. Young Skywalker is in pain. Dark side of the Force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. It's all Obi-Wan's fault. He's jealous. He's holding me back. You don't know the power of the dark side. I must obey my master. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. Master Skywalker, there are too many of them. What are we going to do? Hello there. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, Jedi, Sith, and all the rest of the peanut gallery to another exciting edition of the New Force Order Forever Podcast. We are a Star Wars podcast. This is episode 137, and if you have not realized that this is a Star Wars podcast, I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. I have no way to come back this week, but all I can tell you is that you have no hope. And Doc, if they do not have hope, what can they not do? They can't build rebellions. Because rebellions rebellions are built on hope. Rebellions are built on hope. Rebellions are built on hope. That's right. That's right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. This week, we got some news about a galaxy far, far away. We have a guest on the show, friend of the show, friend of ours. Uh, oh, let's go around the horn and introduce everybody. First and foremost, allow me to reintroduce myself. I am the Greek god Papadon, a.k.a. GGP, professional wrestler extraordinaire, multi-time champion. The galaxy far, far away, and still you're raiding and defending Immortal Championship Wrestling, Alpha Championship Wrestling, and Ronin Heavyweight Champion because I came in the door. I said it before, smacked around Slick Wagner Brown, and I'm still the champ. So, lo and behold, another deadly episode. We're here tonight, and I am feeling some kind of weird Sith ghost in the room. So uh, hit him with a big hey yo and introduce yourself, sir. Hey yo. Ladies and gentlemen, I am the talk lord of the podcast, the Sith Ari, the rampaging Reverend Kiss, the Butcher, the most disgruntled Star Wars fan in the galaxy, your boy Spiro. 
Next up, it is our guest of the show. You probably seen him at Comic Con, and if you didn't, then you missed out. He is the Empire City Garrison's head honcho, the head STIC, the head stormtrooper in charge. Introduce yourself, sir. Hi, I'm Chris Fan, the commanding officer of the 501st Legion's Empire City Garrison in New York. And thanks for the intro. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on, Chris. It's always a pleasure having you on. We're going to have a good time tonight. And last but not least, the man who loves to bring it up the rear. I mean, coming in last. Oh, wait. Definitely not coming last. This guy comes first every time. Introduce yourself, sir. I am smarter than two and be more technical than FX7, the god of steel and thunder. And the man who realized that the force is like duct tape. It's got a life side. It's got a dark side. And it binds the universe together. Dr. Destroyo, Alex Arroyo. <laughs> Fucking MacGyver over here. I love it. Yeah, baby. And all you young people, you don't know who MacGyver is, look it up. Or Google it, like they say nowadays. Anyhow, let's let's go. Let's let's uh, let's get down to some brass tacks. Now we like to start off the show with a nice segment called Marky Mark and his funky tweets, but we don't have anything regarding funky tweets this week. But we do want to start the show off on a happy note. So I'm gonna throw this over to the man who's painting Hank McCoy's shaft right now. Tell him about the good news. The good news is. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about the Adam Driver thing? Yes. Oh, okay. yes. All right, right, right. You got to give me a little better of a segue from that. Jesus Christ. Anyway, so really, no, not Jesus. Greek God, Greek God, not Jesus Christ. Okay. I, uh, similar. Anyway, um, so fellow Brooklynite, Adam Driver, who lives apparently um, in uh, Brooklyn Heights, which is not that far away from where I'm at right now uh, and where my college is located at. Shout out to St. Francis. Thanks for the scholarship. Um, he uh, is doing a movie with uh, a one Ben Affleck, a.k.a. Batman. Um, the greatest Batman of all time. Oh, that's a debatable. Anyway, um, and uh, apparently Affleck's son is a big uh, Kylo Ren fan. So um, for his for his kid's birthday, uh, Affleck called up his boy Driver. They're doing a movie together and said, hey, you know, can you can you hook a brother up and make, you know, dad look like he's cool? And he did. He sent a video message to the kid. He sent him some like Kylo Ren um, care package. I don't know what was in there. Maybe a lightsaber, a couple action figures. Who knows? Maybe that fake scar that went away in his face. Um, and made you know, and put over uh, Ben Affleck for his kid. So uh, it's it's a cool thing. It's a good thing. It's like the day Papa Don that I sent the uh, you know your kids to sign eight by ten by me because you know no one was buying yours. So we're friends like that, bro. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> God, if you people believe Doc has signed eight by tens, you're right. The egomania, he does have one. He does. <laughs> and uh, some guy asked him to see his feet. <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you a funny story. For Christmas, you know what my wife got me? You know what my wife got me. Because I know, because I told her to get it for you. <laughs> I did. An eight by ten signed by Joe Hotel. And he mailed from Staten Island. Fucking idiot. Uh, anyway. <laughs> the only guy who shows up at a wedding without an envelope. Anyway, I digress. Uh, so, Chris, what do you think about a little story about a uh, driver and uh, Affleck? 
No, it's it's really great when you see actors, you know, do something like that that they they actually still you know like the character and still are willing to uh, represent the character. That's kind of like what we do all the time at the five hundred first. You know, dressing up as stormtroopers, Darth Vader, different uh, characters from Star Wars. You get you get a real thrill out of it, and to do that for a kid, even if it's just for a friend or for a party, it's it's really nice to hear that uh, they take the time to do that. Absolutely. Speaking about dressing up, I'm glad that Chris is here because, uh, you know, despite the fact that Comic-Con happened at the beginning of October, I really didn't actually chat about it very much on the show because, um, you know, we were busy talking about all the crap that was happening in the world. But, um, you know, I, I had uh, was walking with the children, actually showed up the day before on Friday, and Chris was in there in his uh, Death Trooper outfit, all clad in black. And um, I didn't know if it was him when I first walked in the door, so I kind of had a slow play it and listened for the unmistakable Chris Feehan voice as he was talking. And then I was like, oh, hey, let me get a photo. I had the mask on. And he gets beside him. And I'm like, uh, hey, what, what's your name, big guy? He's like, it's Chris. I was like, I know exactly what your name is. Then he looked at me. He was like, oh, shit, Doc. I had no idea it was you. And I pulled the mask down. And we had that uh, oh, shit moment. It was pretty funny. <clears throat> and then the next day, I brought the kids in with the wife as we were all uh, dressed. My wife. It was my wife. She was um, Padme from uh, Attack of the Clones. Uh, my daughter was Rey. My son was Luke from uh, um, Empire Strikes Back. And I was the ghost of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and my fun, my son had a, an absolute, bl- literally, blast at the Blast of Stormtrooper. I don't think he... He kept asking me all day to go back so he could shoot the Stormtroopers again and again and again. And literally... For hours, we sat there as he, he shot. He brought his own gun. He, he he had his own Nerf gun. It was in the holster. It was the uh, you know the, the the Han Solo blaster that Luke walks around with, um, in Empire. And he had his own he had his own gun, which was great. Um, and the kids loved it. It was it was awesome. You guys had the backdrop there, um, did it upright. Uh, at one point, Chris was out of costume, and then he was back in costume. Um, you, the sa- Saturday you were dressed as. I was doing a gunner, and then I did um, the Black Stormtrooper, and then I did, like, just an officer at one point. Yeah, I think you you were the gunner when I was there for that one. That yeah, it, it, was a, it was a four-day marathon event. Yeah. We had 35 volunteers help from our group and also friends and family of people from the group just to keep that table running to help raise money, to do the raffle, to do the Blasted Trooper. It was a, a Herculean effort, and we managed to raise $5,000 for Make-A-Wish Foundation. Wow, that's awesome. Over the that's four days. Awesome. It was a lot. Considering the the lesser attendance and the the COVID restrictions, it was amazing that we were able to raise that much. So I was very yeah. proud of that. You guys had a lot of characters there. That really great Asajj Ventress. I know you said, we said that woman came from California to join you guys. You had uh, one of the Boba Fett's, that JC Fett guy. He was fantastic costume. A bunch of did those. You see the Iden Verso? I did not know. We had a uh, uh, one of the one, uh, this woman, Christina, came from Las Vegas, who does an Iden Verso, and she looks exactly like her. So it was like uncanny, really yeah, uncanny. Resemblance. Really awesome stuff happening. A lot of good backdrops for a lot of good photos. Um, the kids had a, had a blast, and like literally, and they did not want to leave that section at all. Um, and you guys were awesome. And my favorite thing I got the whole trip was the Chris Feehan <laughs> trading card. Of you as the emperor, which is one of the creepiest photos I've seen in my entire life, which is really fantastic. I love it. I was like, I was only getting the Chris Feehan ones. I was trying. I was like, all right, let me get this one. Let me get that one. And the best is that he he's he's got the gimmick on the back where it has him, you know, with the you know with the little hat over there, chilling. It's awesome. It's really fantastic. I'm I'm jealous. I want my own trading card. 
Papa get on it. Get on it, Papa. Join. Come on. Get on it. You were pretty close. You were pretty close with Rebel Legion with that Obi Wan. You guys, you guys have the restrictions are really tough. It's tough. I have to, I have to really buckle down and get it done. Well, the blue thing you had on you was was cracking me up. That you were the ghost of Obi Wan yeah. Kenobi. That was that was cracking me up. Unfortunately, you know, Chi- China screwed up my uh, my Luke Skywalker costume and they, and they didn't mail it in time. Got lost in the mail, so I had to pivot and order uh, just a Jedi robe off of um, Amazon, which was kind of boring and, and annoying. So, I had my nanny whip up uh, the uh, the yeah, shimmery who? ghost. Of my nanny. You know, Franz Reicher, I wish. The shimmery ghost of Obi-Wan Hood that came on there, and uh, which which kind of put, put me apart from everybody else, which was great. As I was walking around, people would look at me. They were like, I don't get it. And then they would see the kids. They would see my wife. And they looked back at me like, ah, now I oh, get now it. Now I get it. It was great. It was very a blast. Cool. Very, very cool. Oh, speaking about China, uh, yesterday was, in Nassau County anyway, was... Uh, Chinatown's favorite and most exciting day. You know what day it was for Chinatown? The most exciting day? Uh, November 3rd? Election day. Erection day? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What a terrible joke. Chris is like, why do I come on this show? (laughs) What what, what What am I doing here? Get me in trouble. (laughs) Oh, God. It's all in good humor. Um, So... Uh, speaking uh, about good humor, um, there's uh, talks going around that uh, Ahsoka Tano, the series, may start filming sooner than we expected. Uh, what happened was uh, Mark Bernardin, who is the co-host of Fat Man Beyond with Kevin Smith, is doing his own little movie, his own little independent film that he raised money for. Um and uh, he wanted to have Dawson in the film. Now, when he spoke to her, she said she was going to be in uh, Manhattan Beach filming Star Wars anyway. And this was Ooh. in uh, um, December of 2021. So that's a lot sooner than what we expected or we were told that they were going to start production. Any thoughts? Yeah, they, they, was, they said 2022 they were supposed to start production like kind of like uh, what second quarter potentially. Yeah, but, but uh, th- this is a hell of a lot f- faster than that. Jeez, um, that's good news. I mean, we have a lot of Star Wars stuff coming down the pipe right now. So, but you know what's better than Star Wars, Chris? More Star Wars. That's right. Are you psyched to see this Ahsoka series? I'm very psyched. This the Ahsoka series, I'm excited about. I'm really not that excited about the Cassian Andor series. But I'm excited about Obi Wan. I'm excited about Book of Boba. I can't. Uh, I can't believe the trailer. Did you see the trailer this week? Yeah, yeah. I, I like the trailer, but I wasn't thrilled by it. Only because when I first saw it, I said, "Ah, oh, I want to see kick ass, fucking no shits giving Boba Fett," and he's turning into the Godfather. The Godfather. But then I saw the bigger picture where he doesn't want to be a bounty hunter anymore. He wants to be the boss. Which means that he wants to make all the scuttle. So how could you, you blame know. the guy? No, you can't blame the guy. Spent some time in a Starlight pit. I want to get paid too. Yeah, I no mean, shit. Um, it, it looks pretty dope. I mean, oh, it does. Uh, you it, know, it look, visually it looks stunning. Yeah. My uh, favorite part about it was when he was sitting there and um and uh, and one of those species mouthed off to him and Fennec Shan's like, "Would you speak to Jabba like that?" And he's like, "No, speak your piece, kid. Speak, yeah, speak your really." You know, some you know somebody's gonna die. You know somebody's gonna die soon. <laughs> Hold on, gonna be bumpy ride. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, look, 
there's an article that said that um, the Book of Boba Fett trailer changes the Mandalorian season two in 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 some major ways. Um, basically, what it comes down to is a couple of bullet points here. They're saying we're going to see a different Boba that we've seen before. Um, not only personality wise, but physically as well. As we saw in the trailer, he had eyebrows now. He had a tan. He wasn't <laughs> a scarred up. You know, he's got money. He's got money. You think he spent some time in a back to tank now, here and there? Who knows? Awesome. Who knows? Um, he's, got, he's got dough now. You know, he can spend it on a uh, on 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 self care. Well, listen, that you know the opening shot of the spider with the Bomar monks, the Biomar monk, yes. No, Bomar. You say or so. whatever, Biomar, Bomar, whatever. Tomato, tomato. Supposedly, those those spider creatures are monks that wanted to be more enlightened so they took their brains out of their body and put it into these creatures these mechanical spider or whatever kind of spider creatures these are figuring they're going to be they're going to reach a higher plane of consciousness and they supposedly have the ability to heal people or heals you know come back from like bad wounds or whatever so some people are theorizing that's why he really wanted to go to Jabba Hutt's castle and take it over because they're in the basement you know, yelling out the meatloaf. Ma, the meatloaf. Job on the meatloaf. Oh. Yeah. You hungry? Hey, Ma, can we get some meatloaf? Chaz, I think I'm okay. I, I had a bite right before I came over. Thank you. You sure? You know what? I will have some meatloaf. Let's have some meatloaf. You want some? Yes. I knew you'd go. Hey, Ma, the meatloaf. We want it now. The meatloaf. Ma, the meatloaf. Fuck! You know, but you know, supposedly they're underneath and they don't bother Jabba. Jabba never bothered them unless he needed hey, something. Hey, Jabba no bother. <laughs> exactly. So, I don't know. That's a theory that I heard. But we're going to see him change from Bounty Hunter to Crime Lord. Uh, he's not ruling an empire. He's creating a crime conglomerate with an eye on giving the workers a voice. So, that may backfire. Give a person an inch, they're going to take a mile. Uh, but there's a theory, and I thought this theory was very interesting, and I want to get your takes on it, both of you guys, because you guys are both um, connoisseurs in the Star Wars lore. But they're saying that Boba's looking to give Tatooine back to its rightful owners. That's why he took over Jabba's palace and is looking to become the ultimate godfather crime lord. He wants to give it back to the Tusken Raiders, maybe in payment for helping them heal after the Sarlacc pit. What do you guys think about that? Mm, that's an interesting that's thing. Yeah, I didn't realize that the the Tuscans own Tatooine, but um, hey, um, well, they, they're probably the natural uh, people that lived on there. I'm, I'm assuming this is this is just some fan theory, right? Because I, I don't that's buy what it. I just said. Yeah, I said fan theory. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. All right. What about you, Chris? I think it's a little far fetched. Uh, what about the Jawas? Don't the Jawas come from there too? Uh, they're two inches tall. They don't count. They don't care. I don't know. It seems a little far-fetched. I think he's out for his own interest, and I think he's just, like you were saying, he's uh, trying to elevate himself from just a common bounty hunter to being the boss. Yeah, well, the opening sentence in the thing is like, I'm not a bounty hunter. And the yeah. other guy goes, well, I've heard otherwise. You lying mm -hmm. sack of shit. <laughs> um, Jennifer Beals from, from Doc's favorite movie, Flashdance. Flashdance? She's still alive, that chick? Wow. She's the, she's the, she's the I guess it's Peach colored skin uh twilight i don't know what kind of color the, like it was the, like the caucasian twilight the caucasian twilight if you want to, if you will she looks good 
but uh, she's supposed to have a major role. She wasn't just a background character. Uh, but they haven't told us what the role is going to be. Everything's hush hush. What do you guys think about Jennifer Beals blowing a comeback? And I don't know who comeback is, but he's a lucky guy. Yeah, but lucky guy. Yeah, whatever. I mean, listen, they're dragging all these '80s people out of here for any particular. How, how old is that? Like sixty years old or something? I don't know. It's, it's... So you have a shot too, Doc. Yeah, but they could have found somebody better. <laughs> she she looked good. She looked good in the trailer. I like that they're bringing back a lot of these actors. From my childhood, I think it's uh, Favreau and Filoni's own like personal taste. They brought back uh, Michael Bean from uh, Aliens yep. in uh, the last season of Mandalorian. I thought that was incredible to see him again. Yeah, Perlman. Uh, yeah, they brought back Perlman. They brought back all these guys that I, that I loved from my 80s and 90s action flicks. And just some other you know, uh, miscellaneous actors that they've sprinkled along throughout the series. I think it's fantastic. I think, uh, I think it adds to the whole color of the show. I think it adds to the, the, the nostalgia of the show. Uh, f- to see some of those actors again, so I, I love any anybody they're bringing back. That's a familiar face. My kids were saying that they're dying for Cobb Vanth to come back because they're obsessed with that actor. Uh, what's I can't think of his name right now. Timothy Oliphant. Timothy Oliphant. They they love him, and they just found out they're coming out with a figure of him. Yep. In July, I think uh, for the Black Series. So they're already saying, Dad, pre-order the Cobb Vanth figure, and he better be on the Mandalorian or the Book of Boba. And I was telling him that they might, he might be on the Book of Boba because it's going to take place on Tatooine, and that's the last place we saw him. So I said it's not beyond uh, belief that he'd show up in some capacity in, in that show. What's so they're, the they're, cro- they're crossing their fingers. What's the reason why they love him for? It's because of that hair. Yeah, it's the, it's the hair. It's the hair. It, even the figure has a nice set of hair on yeah. him. I saw the picture of it. But you know the what? The figure was cool. It has a removable helmet. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, rumors are afoot that they're going to do uh, Rangers of the New Republic. And it never was supposed to be Cara Dune as the main uh, actor or actress in the, in the lead role. And that Timothy Oliphant is going to be the lead person in charge of that. And it's going to be his show. That if that's cool. the case, my kids, my kids are going to lose it. <laughs> so you could, you could tell them that. Say, hey, guys, go clean your rooms. I got a secret to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's go around the horn real quick. If you guys had the opportunity to book any of, or, or let me use some proper terminology, not wrestling terminology, hire or cast anybody from the 80s in 90s action or whatever anybody that they that from your childhood in star wars right now who would you who would you cast and what role would you give them to to them from the 80s and 90s oh i'd bring denzel in to do something okay i want denzel to be yeah i got like one of these scruffy marshals from uh one of these shitty tattooing towns okay i'd love to see kurt russell in any capacity Ooh. Escape from New York, still like one of my favorite movies of all time. Would you and have liked to see him at Han Solo? Oh, I would have loved him. Oh my God, I would have died if he had have he been showed up as Han Solo's father or something like he did in uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. I, w- I was over the moon when he was in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, he was great. And they de-aged him and everything. It was amazing. Amazing yeah. work they did on him. It was incredible. He, he was a prick and a half too. It was great. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. It was incredible to see him and he really pulled it off being a good guy in the beginning and then turning out to be like, you know, a real prick. He, uh, I even like him in the Santa Claus movies on Netflix. He fucking tears it up. <laughs> you know, I watched that one with my kids, but my favorite Kurt Russell movie of all time, since I was a little kid, big Over- trouble, little China, yeah. 
Overboard. 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 I love Big Trouble Little China too. Don't get me wrong, but Overboard. I watched that a million times when I was young. Um, Okay, so I would like to see Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito as the original dyad. (laughs) And I want to see Joe Pesci as a hut, as a gangster hut. You've been saying that you've been saying that one for a long time. That one that was actually really funny. (laughs) Um you know who else is coming back, Doc? Your favorite wet dream. Um, Padme Amidala. That's right, but in book form. Oh, boring. Oh, is it a nudie book? No, it's not a nudie book. <laughs> that would sell, though. That would definitely sell. You should call up Bob Chapek and give us some ideas. Um, they're dropping her third book in the trilogy. It's a sequel to Queen's Shadow. It's called Queen's Hope. Uh, it's written by E.K. Johnson, and it's going to explore Padme at her happiest. And it's at the beginning of her marriage and the wedding with Anakin Skywalker. But what the readers don't know, the reason why she's at her happiest, is that there's a big swerve in the book. When Anakin wasn't looking, Doc swept in and stole his thunder. Oh, I wish. I wish. That would be my, my, my dream. Uh, have you read any of the books for Padme, uh, Chris? No, no. I, I I don't get into the books very much. Gotcha. gotcha. I barely have enough time to catch up on the shows half the time. Yeah, uh, I'm, with, I'm with you. Listen, I'm with you too. I have a bunch of books over here and I haven't even read them. So, but um, supposedly they're really good. They really deep dive into the character. They add a couple layers to the character. So, whatever. I mean, why couldn't they have done an animated series or a live action series or whatever? I don't know. I hate I hate the fact that we... I'm waiting, you, I'm waiting for you, Papa. We finish your thought. I was going to jump in uh, when I was ready. I was going to say, I hate the fact that they throw stuff like this and that adds to characters' gravitas, if you will, in, in, in a book. Because like you said, like I said, we don't have time to fucking read a book. So we're just going to let it fall through the cracks and we're never going to learn anything about this said character. You know, like, put it this way, what if the Clone Wars animated series was just a bunch of books? No one would care. No yep. one would love the prequels as much as they're loved now because of that cartoon, uh, because it added so much levity to the prequels. I know you're not a fan of the prequels, Chris, but, you know, it is what it is. No big deal. Uh, what were you going to say, Doc? I was going to say, and speaking of live action slash animation, uh, article came out this week looking at a potential Darth Maul series that was initially going to start as a live action and it seems that, you know, the rumors afoot that they pivoted to make it a an a- animation this time. And it's going to revolve around um, Maul and his formation of the Crimson Dawn. And it's going to uh, also feature a character that we've seen once already that is a was a prominent role in Solo. Um, it's going to be Paul Bentley's character of Drayden Voss who was the crime lord that was responsible for Kira and her wrongdoings and also was answering to Maul. So um, it's going to be a prequel to the Solo story, clearly, because, spoiler alert, Voss dies in the, in the, in the Solo movie. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, you know, I love Maul, and I, I'm always fearful of them overexposing him because he's just used so, so much. Um, but I think having the distance that we'll have from season seven of the clone wars to whenever they get to this mall series, maybe a good thing. And it just may, may have me clamoring for some more mall. 
What about you, Chris? You're interested in this more cartoon, the Crimson Sun cartoon? I think it's kind of pointless since we know the whole outcome. But I thought the same thing about Rogue One, and it surprised me. You know, that even though it was all a done deal, you knew how it was going to end, I st- I, it still took me on a, a ride, and it was the, the most Star Wars, Star Wars thing I had seen, uh, you know, up to that point. So it, it gave me hope that there was a future for the franchise, which I think we've, we're seeing pay off now in dividends with uh, The Mandalorian, hopefully with this book of Boba Fett. I'm excited. I'm also disappointed. I'd rather this be a live-action series. Oh, absolutely. You know, get Ray Park. Um, look, no one's perfect. People make mistakes. Supposedly what happened with him online over a year ago is what made this become an animated series. I think if they made this into a Sopranos-like uh, sitcom where he's forming the Crimson Dawn, I think it's it would just rival the Mandalorian for the top spot as far as making money and all that stuff and views. Everybody loves Darth Maul. Everybody. And there's only one thing better than Maul, and that's more Maul. More um, Maul. More yeah. cowbell, ma. I could have used a little more cowbell. You're going to want that cowbell. I got to have more cowbell. <laughs> but, uh, you know, all right, great. We'll get it in, you know, animation. Sam Whitmore will play the voices. Uh, cool. But I still would have liked it. I've seen it much better in live action. Uh, you know, um, I'd probably be more excited for that than the, the Acolyte. And speaking of the Acolyte, Acolyte got pushed back in production. Did you guys hear this? Yeah. Yeah. You guys, so I, you, and you know what? You, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've been very vocal about my disdain for the High Republic since the whole comic book thing popped out, and and I was as as vocal as I was for my disdain for the Acolyte because you know it's being run by this again forces female Leslie Headland show blah 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 who is she what does she do to deserve this um, and then they set it in the High Republic so now they took two things that I'm not so thrilled about and jammed them together. Um, so I'm doubly not thrilled about and seeing the, you know, the issues associated with it. I'm like, okay, whatever. It's fine. doesn't bother me. Well, uh, even though this got pushed back to summer of 22 instead of February 22, um, there has been other news that leaked out um, regarding prior Star Wars cast members. Um, Matt Smith recently done an interview, Doctor Who himself, when he's asked about his scenes in episode nine, uh, he stated that he did in fact had a role in episode nine and that there was meetings and concept art and all this stuff. Um, basically his quote was when he was asked if he shot anything, he denied that he shot anything regarding the film, but they were close to be, but he was close to being in it. Um, and his exact quote was, no, I didn't dot, dot, dot. We were close to me being in it, but then it just never quite happened. I think the thing that they were thinking of before, eventually the part became, you know, it became obsolete and they didn't need it. And so I never got to be in star Wars. 
Um, Smith then probed about his possible role in the sky as uh, Skywalker, specifically whether he was set to play a son of Palpatine. Looking around the room with a smirk, Smith replied that he could not possibly say, but did go on to mention that it was a very groovy part and concept. It's a pretty big, it's a pretty groovy thing. Like it was really groovy part and concept. It was a big thing. Yeah. It was like a big story detail, like a, you know, transformative Star Wars story detail. It never quite got off the line. So those words he used, transformative Star Wars story detail and never got off the line, stuck with me. But anyway, um, last the last night in Soho actor, Matt Smith, has continued to elaborate on the size of his role. That sounds a lot dirtier than I meant it. <laughs> Saying that it would mark a big shift in the history of the Star Wars franchise. Returning to how Smith got into the casting process, the actor stated that there were no costume fittings, only a couple meetings to talk about it. The topic of potentially still having the opportunity to appear in the galaxy far, far away also came up. And the actor said, maybe I can come back. You never know. Smith then pondered the possibility further, wondering, God, to come back as that guy while holding his hand up in a potential telling manner. Doc, put the video interview right now into the into the show. You were going to be in The Rise of Skywalker. Matt, did you ever shoot any yes. Star Wars scenes? No, I didn't. I didn't. There was, you know, there was, there was, we were close to me being in it, but then it just never, it never quite happened. I think, I think the, the thing they were thinking of me for Eventually, the part became, you know, it, it became obsolete and they didn't need it. And so I never got to be in Star Wars. There we are. Wait, what? But, I, I, here's conjecture. Was was this Palpatine's son? Was that who you were, you were playing? I could not possibly say. I could <laughs> not possibly say. But it was a pretty groovy thing. It was like it was a really groovy part and concept. It was oh, pretty really? big. It was a big thing. It, yeah, it was like a big story detail like a, a, you know, transformative Star Wars story detail, but they ne it, it, it never quite got over the line. No, I can't deal with this. I'm going to have yeah, nightmares about know. this now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like a, you know, it was a big shift in the, in the history of the franchise. It, yeah. I need you to stop talking. You're getting me angrier. Every successive word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's, uh, yeah, there we are. Did you ever get into like costume? Was there a costume test? Like how far no, away did you get? No, there was no costume. There was no costume. There were a couple of meetings to talk about it. And yeah, um, well, the, okay. The yeah. good part is you still have your Star Wars eligibility card. So ends a long career. Well, maybe I can come back. You never know. I mean, if you know, God, to come back is not like. <laughs> <laughs> This is, this is the worst yeah. this is the worst possible time for the phone to cut out just so just so you know the worst <laughs> possible time oh god i hope sorry it's because i'm in spain and the internet's really shoddy in our hotel in the middle of Caras. well there you have it folks there's matt smith's straight from the horse's mouth not sarah jessica, jessica parker but <laughs> matt smith uh what do you guys take on this and who do you think he would have played i definitely think he was going to play palpatine or some relative of palpatine some descendant who was going to try to take over and, and start the whole, you know, uh, uh, Sith empire again. 
Uh, it was a shame that he, he wasn't cast. I love him as an actor. I think he's great in Doctor Who. I think he's great in other movies that he's been in. Uh, but I think when J.J. Abrams took over, he had a different plan. Uh, he took he took an easier route. He said, just bring back the freaking Emperor himself. And and he said that that would fix a lot of problems. I know a lot of people are still ambivalent about Rise of Skywalker. They don't think it was that great of a finale. I thought he did a good job. I thought he pulled it out from as low as it was in uh, Last Jedi into something that was palatable to most fans. And I think he needed to go with something tried and true like the Emperor to to try to get, get back to that place. So I, okay. I liked the Rise of Skywalker. I thought it was a, a reasonably uh, good finale to the trilogy. And uh, it's a shame Matt Smith didn't get a chance to be in Star Wars. Hopefully he will in the future. Maybe something else will come up that he'll be cast as something in Star Wars. What do you think the hand signal he threw up was that was a telling? <laughs> Unlimited power! I, I, I think he threw up the, the shocker. shocker. I think he threw up the shocker. Um, I, I, he, listen, he's a British dude, right? And he's a youngish-looking British dude. So it had to be some kind of clone of the Emperor that they were going to go a different route and not use old Ian McDermott on there. That's my guess as to what it was. The sun doesn't make a lot of sense unless they were going to push the whole, you know, Ray Dad thing from there. Um, but at this point, the guy could say whatever he wants to say because no one's going to call him out on it because it never happened. It was it was potentially never even written. They said it was happen, supposed to happen in Colin Trevorrow's script, you know, Duel of the Fates. Um, but yeah, he can go on and say whatever the hell he wants to say about it, and no one's ever going to shut him down and say anything. So take it with a grain of salt. It is what it is. I thought you would mark out a little because this had uh, the footprints of Dark Empire. They were talking about that yes. he, would, he would be coming back as a younger Palpatine. It would be Palpatine's spirit engulfing into a younger clone of himself, which supposedly would be Matt Smith. That's the hot take on the street. Um, whatever. I'm with you, Doc. I mean, tired of talking about the sequel trilogy. I'm tired about all this what ifs, what could have, should have happened, but... You know, whatever happened, happened, and that's it. It's time to move on and worry about The Mandalorian and and all these other shows that are coming out. But um, we might be uh, a lot closer than we think. November 12th is Disney Plus Day. Ooh, lots of scary things potentially happening that day. Rumors afoot of lots of lots of announcements in the Star Wars universe. One... Is going to be the one I'm hoping for. The Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer. Um, they may potentially do a sizzle, another sizzle reel for Andor. We kind of got that somewhat sizzle reel for it. Um, and then they talked about... What else? I'm blanking on other things for Star the Wars. The Book of Boba Fett special. Yeah, the not that's yeah. not going to be tied to the Boba Fett thing. That, that, that standalone thing they're doing for him, right? Yeah, that um, under the helmet. Like, yeah, like Boba history, Fett, whatever, yeah. Uh, there might be some uh, behind-the-scenes reels to the Book of Boba Fett as well as The Mandalorian Season 3. I mean, there might not be much because I don't think a lot has been shot so far. Um, new projects being announced. Uh, maybe a Luke Skywalker series with Grogu. Yeah. That'd be nice. Um, animated projects like Bad Batch Season 2 and now this Maul series with the the, the sun. Um and some possibility of some Ahsoka news. Maybe we'll get a definite casting on Ezra Bridger and Grand, Ad- Grand Admiral Thrawn. Who knows? But I'm looking forward to it. Uh, what about you, Chris? 
Oh, yeah. I, I can't wait. I'm hoping that we do get a good Thrawn. I'm hoping we do get some Ezra action in there. I'm hoping that it ties all everything together because I think Filoni all along wanted to do live action and now he gets the chance. So I think he's going to try to bring all the strong characters that he's created and that he's, he's you know, uh, been uh, uh, feeding for the past, you know, 15 years into into different series as much as possible. I was over the moon that they were they were actually bringing Ahsoka to life, and I thought it was done in the best possible way. And I'm just hoping they continue that that trend. Let me ask you guys this, and uh, I was thinking about this today. When Kathleen Kennedy's contract was last up, they announced before her her expiration date that she's resigned and she's staying on board for another two years or whatever it was her contract was up october 30th or october 31st we have not heard anything regarding her staying or leaving all we know is that november 12th is disney plus day so she would probably have to present considering they haven't renamed a replacement Maybe it's bad PR if they name a replacement right before Disney Plus Day. Um, you know, having a change of leadership. But also I'm thinking every time they take one step forward, then we get hit with bad news. Um, so we just got the Boba Fett trailer. Maybe that's the uh, one step forward. Now I'm waiting to get punched in the stomach. And being told that Kathleen Kennedy got signed an extension and will be on for another three to four or five years. No. What do you guys what do you guys think? It's it's quite possible. I mean, she's she's she uh, it seems that she can't do no wrong over there. So it's one of those ones where I would not be surprised if they give her a contract extension and, and a big one on top of that. Peppa grinder? <laughs> I, think, I think it's possible. I think it's possible she'll stay on. I think she gets a lot of the credit. That really should go to uh, uh, Favreau and Filoni, or, or maybe you know maybe you know my dream of dreams is going to be that uh, that they, they use that date as the announcement that uh, Favreau's taken over for, or somebody else has taken over for, that would respect and like uh, to to shepherd the franchise into the future. Imagine so we'll they have to, we'll have to wait and see. Imagine if they do that. That's actually a good yeah. idea. Imagine if they do that and they, and Uncle George comes back. Yeah. Oh my God. Forget it. It'd be like an, applause. It'd be like a million voices cry out <laughs> in happiness, you know. I, to me, I, that'd be over. Would it be over with you, Doc? Oh, that would definitely be over with me. Did you take out the trash? And did you take out the trash, Doc? Doc, did you take out the trash? You, they heard you asking me if I took the trash out of the fucking podcast. <laughs> Why do you want to come in here and embarrass me in front of my friends and my special alone time? Go to your room, woman, and make me a sandwich with your, with your eight arms. You take out the I took out the fucking trash. Leave me alone. I'm taking you out. <laughs> That's my finisher, Pop. <laughs> take out the trash. <laughs> and speaking of over, because my life is going to be over. <laughs> you should have told them to take out the trash. You'd be like, no, date night's Friday night. What are you talking about? <laughs> that we would have saw a right hook off screen. Knock you right the fuck out. <laughs> Down goes Frazier. Somebody call the police. Oh, God. Ladies and gentlemen, we do a segment here on the show called Who's More Over. Now, before you get all upset because you didn't take out the trash, um, over means 
popular. It's wrestling terminology. So when a wrestler is over, he's popular with the fans. Uh, it could be a good guy wrestler, bad guy wrestler, whatever the case may be, he or she would be over. Um, with the fans, they pay a lot of money to come see said wrestler lose or win or entertain them to the highest degree of entertainment that they possibly can enjoy. What we do in this podcast is we compare two aspects of Star Wars. It's a person, place, or thing doesn't necessarily matter. And we see what's more over with you, the fans. All six of you guys. Most importantly, what's more over with us. Doc, after you're done taking out the trash, and remember, the blue bins for recyclables. <laughs> it is. What's on the marquee? On the marquee tonight, as suggested by a fan number seven, or six, actually, uh, Brandon Miller. We're doing a Halloween bash on who's more over. I looked up the scariest, the creepiest, the nastiest Star Wars things that are out there, and we're going to put them head to head. So, so it's tonight, wives Marky, versus wives? It's wives versus wives, baby. <laughs> it's my ex-wife versus my current wife. Who's more over? It's who's more rich, I can tell you that. Anyway, um, we're looking at that nasty-looking, toothy, Feed Me Seymour when they did the special edition Living creature that will digest you for six million years. The Great Pit of Carcoon, a.k.a. the Sarlacc. Hey, Tom. Hey, dear. His high exaltedness, the great Jabba the Hutt, has decreed that you are to be terminated immediately. Good, I hate long waits. <laughs> you will therefore be taken to the Dune Sea and cast to the Pit of Carcoon. The nesting place of the all-powerful Sarlacc. Doesn't sound so bad. In his belly, you will find a new definition of pain and suffering as you are slowly digested over a thousand years. Second thought, let's pass on that, huh? Versus that really odd-looking, Minoc-infested, nasty Oscar Mayer wiener with teeth from the Empire Strikes Back the space slug, aka the exogorth. And here we are. And who is more over? Let's go to the polls, Papa Don, your favorite. Yes, we'll go to the polls. Play the porno um, music now. Not putting that in, my good Christian man. On the Facebook poll. <laughs> Even Chris had a side eye on that one. <laughs> on the Facebook polls. Wow. By an enormous landslide, 100% to zero. The Sarlacc eats the shit out of the Exogorth. Adam DeJane, Sarlacc over strong. We're going to move to Instagram right now. Let's see. Okay. Uh, ooh, 83 to 17% of the Sarlacc again. Despite the fact that it looks like Little Shop of Horrors and the Special Editions is more over. 
All right, well, let's start with our guest tonight. Chris, what's more over for you? Absolutely, the Sarlacc pit. It, it had more screen time. It was more intimidating. It's been, you know, through the lore of Star Wars and comic books and everything, what happened to Boba Fett in there? You know, did he escape from it? It's been talked about in lore for, for years and years and years. The other creature is like one scene in Empire Strikes Back that it couldn't even catch the Millennium Falcon. It actually slipped through its through its teeth. So not really that intimidating. The Sarlacc pick, even with the, the stupid tentacles and the special edition little uh, beak, was still more intimidating. Not okay. to mention, have you ever seen the robot chicken skits? Yeah. yeah. With him down there, like, uh, I went boom, boom, boom. I love that skit. That's one of my favorite <laughs> skits on Boba Chicken. When Boba Fett's making it like he went down like a, like a, like a boss. Yep. In. What? Felon? <laughs> Volunteered? More like it. You should have seen it. You would have dug it the most. I was flying around with my jetpack, just smoking rebels with a laser. Ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. Han Solo was all, hey, wait. And I'm like, oh, I've been waiting for this for a long time, Solo. Ba-bang. The big bad Wookiee be growling in hell now. I even put one between Skywalker's eyes, right between those pretty baby blues. But then Jabba the Hutt was all, oh, no, this guy's too badass, man. So then 80 Jedi showed up. I took out about 67 of them, but then 20 dudes finally flanked me. And I was like, you know what, kids? It's been real, Daddy-O, but I'm not giving you the pleasure. So I jumped into the pit myself. On the way down, I was thinking maybe I should have left him a party favor. Oh, I did. A thermal detonator right up their ass. Ba-boom! Oh, that's awesome. Man, at least you didn't go out like a punk. Yeah. Oh, because I looked like a badass. Are you crying? Oh. Huh? <laughs> That's funny. I'm okay. All right, Doc, you're up. Okay, so uh, I really like this battle. I think it's an interesting one with two creatures that, uh, you know, typical ILM action that they give us over there. The Exegorth was a pretty cool scene. You know, we see the, the Falcon kind of laying low, hanging out in this crazy cave, Minox infesting them, popping over there. So it gave us that... A little bit of horror inside Star Wars, which we don't see very, very frequently from the Star Wars universe, um, and that's one of one of one of the uh, the more memorable scenes in a probably the most memorable Star Wars movie of all time. Uh, the Sarlacc again. I'm, I'm, now I'm going to remove the special edition Sarlacc from this conversation. We're not going to talk about it. It doesn't exist. We're talking about the old school, just a, a toothy looking vagina Sarlacc, not with that little you know thing coming out the top of it which sometimes it does. Um, the old school one. <laughs> one of my favorite shots is is the one of Luke standing above it, kind of, you know, staring down into the Sarlacc, you know, about to meet his fate. And you're like, well, is this really going to happen? Like, is Luke really going to do this? This is kind of scary. Um, and um, he bounces off. We know what happens, flips it up, and then knocks Phantom Boba in kick. there. And you see exactly, and you see Lando hanging in there, and they're saving him, and then Han, and everything happening above the Sarlacc. And the Sarlacc really became this integral part of that whole scene, and it was the the main focus of everything because that's really was we you know where the heat was coming from. Uh, it's always been this interesting little ditty that sits in the middle of, of the um of the uh, of the Tatooine desert. And if you look at the schematics of it, it's actually this really large creature that kind of lives beneath the thing. It's not just those jaws and that mouth. It's this whole kind of like, you know, galaxy but below there that that it includes. 
so just for that and just because it's um one of one of my favorite scenes in return of the jedi i know all star wars is that first opening salvo of uh of return of the jedi um where they have the whole Jabba's palace thing sarlacc overstrong interesting how about you spira what do you say you know this week's who's moreover feels like some sort of a subliminal sexual orientation test so to speak you know uh you got the sarlacc pit and you got the space slug you know you got on one side the hole and on the other side you got the the fucking dung or the dork or whatever you want to fucking call it sarlacc pit you know when you look at it, it sort of reminds me of that movie teeth google it it's not a cinematic masterpiece of any kind uh but put two and two together i think you know what it's about anyways you know uh the sarlacc pit you know both both uh both were in sort of memorable moments you know uh but you know this is a a halloween edition so when you think of halloween you you think of scary you know if you came face to face with either in real life i guess you know you'd have cause for concern both are deadly both are not looking to you know hug and kiss and fondle you like a little fucking turtle you know but I think that scarier, I'm going to have to go with the Sarlacc pit, guys. That's moreover with me. Because when you think about what your body's probably going through, you know, I figure the fucking slug, it swallows you whole and that's it. But, you know, the Sarlacc pit, it swallows you, but you're going through these fucking teeth. You're being digested and shit. God knows what the fuck is going on in there. Uh, it, I just get the feeling that it's more horrific. I mean, we all seen Boba Fett's fucked up armor. Uh, you know, we can only imagine what the fuck happened to Boba Fett. Uh, I believe we did see some scarring, which was the result of the Sarlacc pit. So I don't know. I mean, Boba Fett survived it. Not sure, you know. Not sure how effective the Sarlacc is at extinguishing or exterminating its prey. But I guess the process would, I guess, be more painful and horrific with the Sarlacc. So that's who I'm going with this edition of Who's Moreover, guys, the Sarlacc Pit. That was great, Spiro. Thank you. Always a great time with the Assisticoth on Exegol. Uh, I'm going to go with the Sarlacc Pit. I have to agree with you guys. Um, it's The way I looked at it was funny because I was going to make a sexual reference. We have uh, one one that looks like a vagina. The other one looks like a, like a penis. <laughs> you know? Uh, I say uh, one shoots at the Millennium Falcon. The other one sucks things in. So it's like, yeah, yeah well, I get that's, it. That's about right. And then what's more scarier than a toothy vagina? I don't know. Nothing. Um, maybe paying alimony to one, but uh, uh, whatever the case may be, I'm gonna say Sarlacc Pit mainly because I every point that Doc hit the, hit on right now that it was a 
focal point in the first act of the, the third movie of the original trilogy. And there was some consequence. There was a lot of drama and tension. Um, a lot of the henchmen fell into the Sarlacc pit. Well, Fett fell into the Sarlacc pit. And uh, for a long time, we didn't know what the hell happened. So I'm glad he's out. I'm glad we're going to get all this stuff. But, uh, you know, uh, the other thing is not that scary, in my opinion. I mean, once it comes out and you get to see how this big giant slug, which was just a big giant hand puppet, um, yeah, you know, it did look a little frightening. But, you know, at the same time, I didn't feel that the drama uh, was as dramatic. Dramatic. Well, that's why it's drama or appealing to, to get to scare somebody. Um, but whatever. It is what it is. I'm going to go with the Sarlacc Pit. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you guys can send us an email regarding this segment or any other segment. And the email address is called newforceorder at yahoo.com. Um, we're going to go to Brandon Miller, Mr. Bum, 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 and his email. And let's see what he says. Hello, fellas, and happy belated Halloween. So I'm currently sitting in the barbershop waiting for my turn. Debating whether they get the Padawan rat tail or the Skywalker bull cut. And figured it's a perfect time to email my favorite cosplaying doctor and the other host of the show. Oh, buried him. For this week's monster ball of sorts, I'm going with one of the most terrifying creatures in sci-fi period, the Sarlacc Pit. There was something about the way 3PO woefully described the process and of an unlucky soul being slowly digested in the creature's belly over a thousand years that still makes an adult Star Wars fan like me uneasy. And even with the CGI beak and screech added into the later editions, the Sarlacc Pit still proves plenty terrifying. I'm probably not the only one looking forward to seeing how Boba Fett busted his way out of that thing. Anyway, it's about my turn in the barber's chair. Might just ask them to give me the GGP. Have a great week, fellas. You know, shave your head there. Good for you. Um, all right. So, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. New who's uh, who's more over? Um, new for sort of yahoo.com is the email. Regarding next week's topic, send us whatever you guys think the your pick will be. We don't even know what the contestants for next week is going to be, but. When we do, we'll throw it up on the uh, social media sites, and uh, we'll move on. But we also do another segment on this show called From a Certain Point of View. Now, it's not your favorite quotes from Ben Kenobi. Sorry for hitting the mic. Basically, we take a look at something that could be a line, could be a scene, could be anything in the lore that meant something originally. But because of all the reverse engineering, because of all the added content, now it means something else. So, um, or we, another aspect to this uh, segment is that we look at something, a certain scenario, a certain scene, certain thing that was said, and we try to justify what it means and why it occurred. So, we, this week, I read an article. And it made me go, huh, I didn't think about that. Why was Luke Skywalker able to see Rey and Kylo Ren's force 
connection. He was a pervert. <laughs> so I went, wait a minute. What I went, oh, on Octu, that's right. Because normally she only saw Kylo and Kylo only saw Ray. How did Luke see both of them at the same time about to touch hands? So Reaching out, touching me, touching you. Touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you. Caroline. Oh, oh, oh. Good job. So, what do you think, Chris? Uh, well, he was the only Jedi around. <laughs> He's the last Jedi, so he would have the ability to maybe see past, you know, uh, uh, what was happening with the Force. He might have seen that other dimension, that other wavelength, and seen what was going on when nobody else around him could. Okay. So, I, I, I think that's completely plausible. I don't see anything wrong with him being able to, to see through that. By you, Doc. Well, the question begs: um, Can only other dyad force users see the dyad of the force? Um, so was well, Luke, that means gone. So was Luke a dyad himself with someone else? Um, which I, I think that would make an interesting story in and of itself. Um, if they could do that, I mean, there was some some talks about other dyads in this article. One was um, Yoda and Doku, right? Um, Dooku, then there was another dyad between, um, I can't remember who they said, who else was, was a dyad, but I remember the, the, the Yoda and the Doku one. Um, so was Luke able to do that because he was A, just like Chris said, you know, A, the last Jedi or the Jedi, you know, because he was so powerful in the force and, and was able to learn all these amazing things and be this uber powerful Jedi that he was in Legends, um, or was it because he was part of a dyad and able to do that? Or was it because he was, A, really close to his nephew, because he was the one who was training him, and that Ray was so powerful that she was able to kind of bridge that gap between the two of them? I don't know. There's a lot of, you know, you can go a lot of different ways with this here, and this what-if you know, situation of a certain point of view um, to kind of make it happen. But I'm going to go with the fact that Luke is just... That guy. 100% that guy. Face that runs a place. That's it. All right. Um, the article also stated that maybe um, Snoke took credit for bridging their mind. So if a third party created the bond, perhaps others could see it too, like Doc was kind of referencing. Uh, force ghosts can only be seen those by those who are Force-sensitive. So that I personally believe, and I'm I'm on the same ship with Doc and with you, Chris. I think Luke Skywalker is the end-all, be-all of Jediism. He is the most powerful Jedi of all time. So, of course, he'll be able to see these two. But, Doc, you said he might be a dyad with somebody. Do you think he's a dyad with, and wait for it, for dramatic effect, Grogu? That's Ooh. how you say it. 
as he was able to find them. But there was talks about this, like because they should have been born around the same time. No, no, no. no we th- we talked about last week, like two, three weeks ago, that a- that Anakin and Grogu may be a dyad. Yeah, but that's not. Um, but I don't think that's the case because, again, Ray's ten years younger than Kylo. Yeah. So they're not born around the same time. So they're. I don't think the birth year has anything to do with it, um, but. It is kind of suspicious how Luke really wanted to train this this little kid because he was strong in the Force. Meanwhile, Ahsoka's like, nah, I sense fear in him. I sense attachment. We know what happens. I've seen it happen before. We're not going down this path again. So maybe well, there well, is. Well, and they, they, were saying, they were saying Dyads had the ability to Force heal. Right to try to, yeah. to to save face for the whole Kylo and uh, Ray thing, but we did see Grogu force heal Grief Karga a couple of days before the movie came out. One of the episodes in, in Mandalorian, yep. which makes him, if he follows the rules and the guidelines, a dyad, and we just need to know the other half. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, it's but then uh... again, they're throwing this thing dyad, dyad, dyad. And the Emperor's like, well, I haven't seen a dyad in generations. Or there hasn't been a dyad in generations. So it's like, either it's scarce or it's commonplace. And if it's commonplace, it's not that, it's not that special. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, of course. And it, it, this is, again, you know, I think Disney Star Wars trying to retcon a retcon as they're in the middle of retconning. It just, it's just kind of covering their ass as, they, as they're going along. I don't what know. Do and it's also fans who are just throwing shit out there, too, so. I just thought it was interesting, and I just figured it was a cool little topic from a certain point of view. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you. Um, Chris, why don't you plug your your event and what we're doing, what you're doing with the five hundred first? Oh, sure. Well, uh, every month we try to do something for a charity. Uh, as you know, during the COVID pandemic, we tried to raise money for food pantries and other various charities uh, throughout the pandemic. Each month, we would do a different one that we try to help. Uh, this month, we're actually trying to help uh, CP NASA, uh, an organization I actually happen to work for, is raising money, but not for themselves. They're raising money to feed um, people with disabilities who might be uh, facing some food insecurity this holiday season and their families. They do it every year. They call it their turkeys and trimmings raffle, and they uh, get some items that were donated by various employees and uh, raffle them off uh, and then donate all the money. Uh, to try to buy some turkeys and trimmings for those families who might be facing that food insecurity this season. Um, We were lucky enough with the 501st. uh, At Comic-Con, we had met with Alan Johnson, who runs uh, a company called Vader's Vault. He was nice enough to donate one of their sabers to us. If you know anything about Vader's Vault sabers, they're very, very expensive. They run between $600 and $1,000. He uh, donated to us a... uh, Vader's Vault Flex Saber, which is patterned after uh, Luke's uh, lightsaber from Empire Strikes Back and The Force Awakens. And uh, he donated that, the blade, the battery, and everything. And we're giving that to CP Nestor to use for part of their raffle. So their raffle has that as like the, the premier prize. They also have some sports memorabilia that's autographed. They have uh, a water pick, a, uh, 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 what do they call that? The, uh, the doorbell. What is it? Ring, oh, ring, ring. ring doorbell and a few other items. 
And uh, that's going to be that raffle's uh, going to be happening from now until November 15th. And it's already up to $1,500. So we're very happy that people have really responded to that. And we have a lot of Star Wars fans who are going after the Vader's Vault Saber. If you guys would like to participate or any of the fans would like to participate uh, for your chance at the Vader's Vault Saber or any of the other fantastic prizes, you can go to go.rallyup.com slash TNT. TNT is for the turkeys and trimmings raffle. And you'll see all the prizes they have. The more you uh, donate, the more uh, chances you get for whatever prize you want. You get to pick where you want your chances to go. So uh, whatever prizes strike your fancy, go after them. I, I myself am going after that Vader's Vault Saber. It's, it's a really nice prize. And again, would like to thank Alan Johnson for being so gracious to give us this specifically for this effort. And uh, we really appreciate the support. Very, very cool, man. God bless you guys over there at the 501st for always doing the Lord's work. Um, my hat's off to you, and uh, it's awesome, man. Fucking awesome. Hey, you don't even wear hats. <laughs> if you're on the island, we're also going to be at Sayville Library and Elmont Library this weekend. And the following weekend, we're going to be at the uh, Belmore Fall Festival. Uh, after that, it's going to be kind of quiet. Usually around the wintertime, it's usually quiet. The only other big thing we have coming up is the Polar Plunge uh, on November 20th uh, at Cedar Beach. And on that same day, we're also doing a 5K for CP Nassau at Eisenhower Park. So if you're on the island, check us out. We'll be around. We'll be out and about and uh, keeping it going, keeping it going and keeping uh, raising money and awareness for various charities and uh, community organizations around around New York. Very cool. Very cool. Doc, anything else you want to add? I think that's it today, man. We're, we're Let's get in and out of here. All right, buddy. Let them know where they can find you at. You can find me at Dr. D-R underscore Destroyo, D-E-S-T-R-R-O-Y-O Instagram, Alex Royo MD, Twitter, Alex Royo on Facebook. And also, little uh, heads up over here, you can see me this weekend, Saturday, November 6th, at Madison Square Garden, taking care of the UFC fighters, in the cage, as I will be the cage side physician for the event. Wow! Look at Main Conor McGregor. No, he's not going to be there. <laughs> All right, Chris, where can they find you at as far as your social media links go? Well, you can find me. I'm at Cure Mode at Yahoo.com. You can also uh, check out the 501st, 501st.com. And if you're interested and you're in New York and you'd like to check out the Empire City Garrison, we're at 501ECG.com. Uh, check out our website, uh, sign up for our forums if you'd like information about how to get a, going with a costume. Uh, we don't only just help charities, we also uh, bill ourselves as troopers helping troopers. We always like to help other individuals get their costumes up to a standard that can be used uh, for good in the community, and that's what we do. So check us out. Don't be afraid to sign up for our forums. You can also check out our Facebook at Empire City Garrison on Facebook and check out some of the stuff we're up to. Very cool, man. Thank you. Uh, Spirit, let them know where they can find you at. Yeah, man. It's been great. But you can also find me, God knows where the fuck, aside from work these days. But if but check out the Rational Rage Network. Uh, have you know, there's other guys doing doing things there. Uh, you got wrestling shows, you got fucking doomsday prepper shows. Uh, on Instagram, Spiro underscore A, Darth underscore Spirit on, and that's it, guys. Oh, Spiro, that was great. You're the great man. Uh, you can find me at Greek Out Papadon. 
on Instagram and on Twitter. Demetrius Papadon on Facebook. Pro Wrestling T slash Greek God Papadon is the t-shirt store. You go get your GGP t-shirts for the holiday seasons. You can also get a, ca- uh, an, uh, not a cameo, but a, a video message from GGP through Pro Wrestling Tees. So sign up over there. Um, go to Greek God Papadon on YouTube. That's my channel. Subscribe, hit the notification bell, all that stuff. And this Saturday, I will be wrestling at Virginia Championship Wrestling in Virginia, where I'll be fighting Philip Brown, the platinum icon, for his VCW US Liberty Championship. And I'm looking to add this championship to my entourage of championships and make it four belts instead of three. So we'll see what happens. But it's going to be a great time for a great company, Virginia Championship Wrestling, this Saturday. Next Saturday, I'm in Queens. I just got the uh, the booking today for New Evolution Wrestling, where I'll be wrestling. Uh, what's that guy's name? Give me one second. I'm defending all my championships on the Alpha Omega Tour versus Connor O'Reilly. Never heard nice, of never heard of him. A nice Greek name, Connor O'Reilly. Um, and then I'm back to 20th at Immortal Championship Wrestling. I don't know who I'm wrestling. I will be defending all my championship belts again. Vicky Guerrero's on the show. Fandango's on the show. And then at 27th, allegedly, I haven't seen the, the show flyer. Um, I will be at Tri-State Wrestling Alliance, New Jersey. And the third I'll be in for Expect the Unexpected uh, that should be in New Jersey as well. So come see GEP at a show near you and uh, be entertained. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your time. Thank you for your ears. Hopefully we enlightened you. Hopefully we entertained you. Um, and hopefully we did what we're set out to do. And that's get Star Wars more over with you, the fans, and not get ourselves over on the expense of Star Wars. This has been another exciting edition of the New Force Order. For life. And that's just too sweet. Henceforth, you shall be known as the new force order. Oh, damn it! What, what is it? I never get a spaceship, never! I never get anything! Would you want to order some Chinese food? I don't know, I guess. Go get some Chinese. Oh, uh, hello. Yeah, can we get, um, what do you think? Five million tons of compound chicken? That's good. Yeah, three million pot stickers and, uh, one order of scallion pancakes and, uh. I'm just promise. Oh, yeah, five million tons of fried rice. Uh, cash a charge. It's, um, hold on. Look, we're just gonna gobble him up when he gets here, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, okay, it's cash then. Sit, good job, sit. Good job.
Boba Fett. I know, I know, I shouldn't wear fur, but I saw it and I just had to have it. Do you hate me? Let's see. Oh, right, the carbon freeze. Oh, it took your sight for a tick. Let me be your CNI fit. <laughs> Look, Boba, you got your money for turning oh, me in. Shoo, 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 shoo. Don't spoil it, sweetheart. This one's for the love of the game. What are you gonna do? Oh, if only you could see what I hear. Uh, Tauntauns? Couple of funny facts. You're heavier than I thought, and Tauntauns never forget. <laughs> He smelled bad. Say it with me now. On the outside! It's beautiful! Hey, hey, let me go! Let, let me go! Boba! The whole thing was just a dream? Yes, with an if, no with a but. We are in the pit. But I took Solo and the whiny blonde kid out, right? Uh, no, you didn't. Well, Sarlacc ate some more sand people, though. You feel like Tuscan food tonight? I guess. What was your dream about? I don't, I don't remember. Was it a naughty dream? Was I in it? The f***ing <laughs> Yeah, you know I was in it. <laughs>